You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 119 of the MXU podcast. My name is Jeff Sandstrom, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Lee Fields, and at long last, back from the dead, Jay Desai, Dadu Worldwide himself. Boys, how are you doing? What's going Jay. on? I literally thought we stopped doing podcasts. That's what, that's why I've been here. Does that mean because you're not subscribed <laughs> and you don't get notifications? He doesn't get the automatic download. Someone, I've got so many life updates for y'all. First off, episode 119 is the temperature of America right now. <laughs> it is hot. Yeah. Everywhere. I was it in Vegas this hot. week and um, it's hot. And then when I landed in Atlanta this morning after a glorious red eye, it was 80 degrees at 530 this morning in Atlanta. On its way to 103. Yeah, I'm staying indoors. I'm made of chocolate. I will melt. <laughs> yeah, it's been hot this week. It was 100 in Kansas City, 95 in Chicago yesterday. But I'm in Grand Rapids today. And it's only going to be 80. Oh, are you at the arena downtown? Uh, Van yeah. Andel. Dude, go to, the, go to that coffee place across the street. Mad, Madcap. Oh, Madcap that's coffee. here? Yeah, it's literally across the street from where you are. That's awesome. I literally yeah. woke up 20 minutes ago. Yeah, I can tell because you didn't you didn't laugh at my joke. So I can tell you're still you're not there yet. Yeah, I'm sitting in the arena floor because there's not a good place backstage to do a podcast. So, so if anybody hears forklifts or uh, load in happening in the background, that's what it is. Lee is finishing up the run with Hillsong United, and today's your last show, right? Yeah, today's the last one. Did you get fired? Uh, no. Question mark? Oh, the tour's o- the tour's over. <laughs> yeah, tour's over. Hey, there's a sports no. bar across the street. Not that I condone that kind of business, but on the second floor, there's a buck hunter. And no last, way. Last I checked, Crowder and I are both in the top ten. I'm gonna go report back. Thank you. I'd challenge anyone to buck hunter. Jeff's seen me in action. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's a great little restaurant over there too, and they've got. A great selection of um, hoppy beverages, and Grand Rapids as a whole actually has a really storied history in terms of the hoppy beverages. And so, if you have a minute later this afternoon, you might need to go check that out. Um, Lee, seriously, let's let's talk about you being out with Hillsong. First off, I'm sorry I haven't come to see you. I've been busy. Um, yeah, you have been, but. How are you mixing with a $80 bottom snare mic? And you know what? I don't like it. <laughs> is that like is that your takeaway every night? You're like, God, that bottom snare. Uh it, it's not like God, that bottom snare, but it is like wish I didn't have to add so much 10k to the top. <laughs> I do think that every night. Because you know, <laughs> then the hi-hat gets in it, but if uh if i ever do anything in the future i've already thought like would i change any of these microphones snare bottom for sure okay uh yeah so because it's just a 57 right now it's a 57 so there's like nothing above 10k in a 57 or, or hardly anything there's a good rattle though yeah there is there is and Jeff, you were out on the road, and you guys were out on the. Did y'all talk about this on the last podcast that I have? Yeah, we did. We did it backstage. That was our whole last episode. Yeah. Oh, great, cool. Well, I was jealous seeing you two together. Yeah. Well, 
The thing I would say just to wrap up the bottom snare conversation is based on the rest of your mix for that show, if if the bottom snare mic is what you're worried about, then you've got nothing to worry about because it sounded awesome. Like the snare drum itself really had no issues and the drum verb and all that stuff, it just made up for any any differences between a $100 and a $1,000 bottom snare mic, for sure. People are Sounded losing awesome. their minds at your mix, bro. Don't know what you're doing out there, but you're doing it. Well. Sounded amazing. I appreciate it. And, you know, if they think that's good, just wait until I get a hold of a $1,000 snare bottom. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved, I loved being able to be out there with you. And I felt like last Saturday night when we were in, or Friday night when we were in Pittsburgh, it was one of the most fun nights just because I felt like we were both kind of in the zone yeah. of our kind of best versions of ourselves mixing and, you know, to look back and forth at each other and just nod along and be like, yeah, this is, this is in the groove. This is happening. I think, I think the good people of Pittsburgh got what they paid for. Did y'all, did y'all ever just stand near consoles and reach over and kind of hold hands? I think in our minds we did that. <laughs> Definitely. We for sure. Minds. We winked at each other and a little spark came out of our eyes. Just like the and a little ding. I literally picture you two like doing something cool and then kind of looking over for the other person's approval. That's legit how I see it. That is legit what happened. That's a hundred percent what happens. <laughs> That's so good. It was um, like, you know, for me in the middle of Angel Armies and for Lee in the middle of with everything. It's like we looked at each other and there was just a single tear. <laughs> Am I still on the screen or have I been cut on God's great? You've been world? cut. I think I've been, I think I've been gone for a while. That yeah. song has been cut. Oh man. Oh, this is funny. A couple nights ago, we're in the middle. Well, we're finishing the song with everything, which is, it's just bananas. Just hold on. Yeah. And this middle-aged couple uh, comes up to the rail beside me and is emphatic about getting my attention. And then I kind of, I finally look over like, really? And he goes, when are they going to play God's great dance floor? And I said, (laughs) I said, well, that that's a Chris Tomlin song. And he goes, Oh, we're leaving. And he, then they left. (laughs) That's great. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. You should have just said next song. You just, (laughs) it would have been great. That would have been funny. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. I just got back from Vegas where I saw some of our lovely friends. I was with Adam. Yeah. And uh, we went to dinner and brother Steve Fee was there. Brother nice. Bodine and Padilla was there. And what were you doing was, in Vegas? Were you working for them? Nope. Land Rover Jaguar. I can't, I can't talk about it was uh, internal, but we released two new Land Rover vehicles to the, they've already released them online. I can tell you what they are. The Range Rover Sport and the, Defender 130, the new Defender 130, but we had physical prototypes. And so oh, we did I this see. massive Broadway style reveal. So I was the PM for our friends at Concept Pixels. Nice. And I love that row LED wall, by the way. Yeah. It's great. It pretty much was flawless and it rigged super easy and quick. Yeah. The rigging for row is incredible. I, I did an event with Summit a few months ago. We were at the uh, church multiplication network conference and we had a little row led wall in the lobby and i was 
they're helping the guys set it up and it was i mean i'm not a video guy by any stretch and it was like the easiest thing to do and it looked great it was an awesome product very cool yeah we have row out here and i'm shocked every day of when they start putting the led up i always think oh we must be behind the led like right now it's 10 30 there's not a single panel up and i promise you maybe by the end of this podcast that whole wall of like 600 panels is going to be up yeah it's it's yeah. crazy eddie had it out on the elevation tour a couple months ago always impressed that quick right up. anyways it was it was cool we had automation and um big old dmv rig and all that. and uh so it was great i had a great time but i got to eat with the with the brothers and that felt good adam is honestly one of the most caring kindest people i've ever met yeah Oh yeah, yeah. But we went to SW. I'm sure. Yes. You Did you sit on the patio? We were at the table and right inside, but the patio. That's was fine. Open. Yeah, that's fine. The shows are great. Isn't it ridiculous that vibe? You don't even know you're in Vegas. You think you're like at some lake somewhere, and on Fourth of July they put on a spectacular for you. Yeah, it makes Rainforest Cafe look like Dairy Queen. A hundred percent. I um, also <laughs> went to Night Market. Have you been there? No Thai place. It was so good, and some dumpling place in the Aria. I just ate and worked. That's all I did. It's not like a normal day for me. Nice. Just a normal day. Yeah. So, um, what about you, Jeff? What have you been doing? Well, uh, this week I was hanging out with the good folks at Tweed Recording, doing a couple of videos for MXU. And what I'm most excited about, honestly, is we're we're helping them record some content for their recording school curriculum, but we're going to have a bunch of that content on the MXU site as well. And the great thing about it is that it gives us some ultra beginner level content. So if you're in a church and you're onboarding a brand new volunteer, it's concepts that we've never really talked about with MXU videos before things like, what is a sound wave in the first place? How does sound work? How do we hear? How do we need to listen in terms of um, understanding fundamentals about frequencies and the frequency spectrum and ranges of sounds and that kind of stuff? But then also just some of the mechanics of how microphones work and how to choose microphones and when to use a condenser, when to use a dynamic, when to think about a ribbon mic, those kinds of things. It was super informative, and I'm really excited to see you know, how the content works in the wild. Cause I think people are really going to get a lot from it. I love that studio. What a beautiful place. And what a great town, Athens, Georgia. Yeah, it was fun. That's awesome. And you know, it just makes me think like when we shot the, what we thought was the beginner level videos, we actually had some feedback that's like, ah, oh, this is still too advanced. Some of the feedback was because what, like a video we do on EQ, what is EQ? We used an SSL L500 console. Right. So that's a very expensive, very advanced console, but it has the best looking screen of any console. I think that's unanimous. And the EQ on it is beautiful and it's it takes up the whole screen. So we're like, oh, that's the best one to teach EQ on because it's the best screen. But then some people, volunteers and beginners, they're they're so early on in audio that they don't know that that concept applies to every console right right so like doing this is like going a step even earlier yep 
Yep. That's cool. You, you did those. Yeah. What else do we need to talk about? Oh, let's talk about Chicago. Um, I was at the United Center last night. It sounds terrible. Oh, yeah. Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. It's built for basketball and it's built for it originally you know it was designed so that people would come and go nuts for michael jordan and the visiting team would get so distracted by the bulls fans that they couldn't it was definitely home field advantage it's not built for music it was like a constant build up of 1 to 4k and it got worse once i crossed like 100 db had nowhere to go the whole thing just fell apart Jeff, have you mixed Cops Coliseum in uh, right outside Toronto? I think it's in Hamilton, Canada. Um, the biggest, I think the, the the arena that I would do up there was Rogers Arena. I don't know about. Yeah, that's it in Toronto. This was right outside. It would be like going to Gwinnett. Okay. Like from Atlanta. Yeah. And dude, I remember every time it sounded so good because I think that the behind the third uh, row was like thick curtain all the way around. So things didn't swim up there. I just remember it was like, can't sound any worse than Mercedes-Benz. This is true. So, Lee, now that you're at the end of this tour run, um, you know this is, in many ways, kind of the biggest thing that you've ever done in terms of scale. Yeah. So in light of the last few weeks' experience, what's, what's maybe one of your biggest takeaways? Like, maybe not something that you learned, but maybe something about an approach or a workflow or something about your mix that either surprised you or that you learned that you feel like you're going to take with you leaving this tour experience that has made you better? Um, that's a good question. I think there's a few little things and then maybe some bigger ones. And you tell me, we can dive into one, but a simple one that comes to mind and it's by far not the most important. It's just the first one I thought of in, in the arena reverb is difficult, right? Yeah. It's difficult to have a reverb sound that gets on top of the arena sound. If you want it to be audible and with the drums specifically, I knew this already, but this was cemented. It is very different when you just turn the return up. And you're just making the reverb return louder. Uh-huh. It's very different when you actually send the input into the reverb more. And it's like all the difference. Yeah. So turning the return up 3 dB or even 5 dB at show two, listening to that, and then pulling it back down, and then sending the snare drum an additional 5 dB into the reverb unit itself was a monumental difference. Because it changed the sound of the reverb. It's like you're driving the reverb engine harder. Yeah. And it's it, it changes the tone of the reverb. It changes everything. The way it responds, all of it. And then it's like, oh, that's that's what I was trying to do. What reverb were you using? Um, the Yamaha 990 model in H reverb. I changed some of the EQ and I put an EQ before it, but it's pretty stock. And But I lengthened it actually in the arena. It's like 2.8 seconds. I like that we took the Yamaha away from you and you went right back to it. Hey, don't get me started. Um, so that's one. The other thing to that point that I've found in big rooms like that is that the idea of multiple reverbs on a drum, for example, 
kind of goes yep. kind of goes away a little bit because yep you have basically your drum reverb but then the room itself is almost your second reverb so it's like yep. in the same way that you might sort of layer a short and a long snare verb in a smaller room you're almost like having to layer the drum verb in your console with the arena reverb in the room itself 100 percent. i have a gated verb on the console for the snare the short one didn't use it hasn't been used once yeah nope no because i don't feel like you can hear it you can't get that short gate over the excitement of the room right if it if it was loud enough to be audible it would sound so strange because it's like that's yep. way too much why would you want to hear that yeah um there's two other things um this is a no-brainer but every night Every day when we do this multiple times, I'm like, there's a reason you do this. We line check. Yes. And we line check, uh, like our time, we load the stage at like one thirty, is when they start putting backline and our audio package up. And our input list is now 99 inputs. And we line check every single one yep. on both front of house and monitors. Yep. But for the last four shows, there's a record desk. So there's someone on an SD12 in a back hallway monitoring preamp levels, making sure nothing's clipping, crowd mics. Um, and we check it on that console. And we line check all four multi-track recording computers every single time. Yeah. And then we do sound check. And then we go to dinner. And then you hang out for a few hours and then Tomlin plays. And then about 20 minutes before Tomlin sets over, we go back to our consoles. We put our headphones on and we do the whole thing again. Yep. And it's every output too. So all the outputs at monitors. So they'll do drums and it'll be like, you know, Pippet, the production manager will be at the drum kit and he'll tap on every single microphone. And we check all of them. You check the overheads, make sure they're in the right position. Then they check the drum ears. So the drum tech is on the drums with his ears in on the drum talkback mic because yep. every position has a talkback. Right. And Brad at monitor sends pink noise to every output one at a time. So drums left, and he'll say, okay, I have drums left. Drums right, I have drums right. Then we move on. And if churches aren't doing this, they really should. Like We communicate pretty efficiently when this happens mm -hmm. so when tip when pippet is tapping on the kick in mic the very first channel right because you start at the top and you go down to the bottom in order he taps on the mic and he'll say kick in and we can all hear him because his radio is patched into the console right and then brad a record says first he'll just simply to confirm that he has it he'll say record and then monitors will say monitors and then I'm last, and I say front of house. Yep. And then Pippet knows when I say front of house, and then he moves on to kick Time out. Time to move on. Yep. Yep. And then we do that for all 99 inputs twice a day. Yeah. Because you have to. Because if one of them, yes. if one of them fails and you don't have it, then that means you don't have it in the PA, you don't have it in their ears, you don't have it in the recording, and something could really be damaged by not having that whatever that input is and obviously for sure the snare bottom or hi-hat or you know b3 low are inputs that you could get away with not having but you lose yeah. you lose one of those vocal mics you lose the snare drum top you lose bass guitar it could take the whole experience down so yeah we've said a lot of times before 
that line check, sound check, and rehearsal are three distinct separate processes. And I think a lot of times that line check piece, if you get that wrong, it just sets everything else up for a bad experience. So that's a great reminder to everybody. Line check. And it happens, like that process happens even for you guys at that level before the band is even near the stage, right? That's the tech. Oh, yeah. That's the techs and the, you know, the backline techs, front of house engineer, monitor engineer, monitor tech, patch guy. Like that's independent of the band even being in the room. Yep. So there's huge, huge takeaways for that for churches. Yep. You know, and then like, how does that apply to lighting and video? Well, if I was a video director or an engineer, I would want to check the patch on the router. Yeah, totally. Like when I send this video to this source, is it actually going to take? And is it actually going where we want it to be? I think it's it would be the same idea. And lighting, you may walk into the same lighting rig every single weekend, 52 weekends a year. But there's these two lights that like sometimes get used and sometimes they don't. Where are they working today? Right. You, you should check all that stuff before it actually happens. Totally. That's good. So that's one. And then um, the importance of PA design. Isn't that funny? Well, funny because it's not funny. Right. And, <laughs> you know, this is a co-headline tour. So our team had to work with Tomlin's team on the PA design. And Chris Michael is a great engineer long track record he's been mixing for 30 years big artist ccm mixes for kelly clarkson he is doing tomlin and that's the reason jeff came out here is because he fell ill for a few days so he was pretty emphatic about not having subs on the floor they're all in the air and then there's like front fill subs there's three on each side so that the people closest to the stage do have some low end but there's only six subs per side in the air in cardioid. Yeah. And it's not it's not horrible, but it's not awesome. To my ear, and you know, I was only there for three shows, obviously, but the impact of the low end was limited because yeah. you could only send so much to those subs before they went into limiting. Right. So yeah, yeah, the, and and some of that was just a function of budget and truck space and other considerations, which it always is. There's always going to be compromises. Um, yeah, but you know, in that in that case, it came down to engineer preference and some other decisions. And sometimes when you disagree with those decisions, you have to just be okay with making compromises. I would have preferred yeah more low energy on the floor. And less in the air, um, because I feel like for a subwoofer, the greatest impact comes from the coupling of those subs with the concrete on the floor and how that moves low-frequency energy throughout the room. Um, right. and, and if you need to do low-frequency extension from the mains with, with a few subs flown, that's, that's fine. But most of these venues didn't utilize the upper bowl, and so... You know, no. it was an arena floor with a lower bowl, and to my way of thinking, it would have been a little more impactful had there been more subs on the floor. But 
you know, to your point, the overall design and deployment of a PA is crucial. Yeah, it is. And this PA, we're using the Adamson E15. Yeah. And I've been asked a bunch, like what I think about the PA. And my answer every time is, if there weren't two or three other companies doing some pretty remarkable things right now, definitely two other companies I feel doing as good as it gets, the DMBs and the L acoustics, right? Yeah. If those weren't available, I would think this is fantastic. Yeah. But because of SL and what KSL and GSL have, I'm I'm a bit like, well, wish it was something different. Because these E15s, it's a 15-inch box, but it only goes to 60 hertz, and the subs are 21s, so that crossover starts at 60. Where, like, if it's 15s in the air, you should almost not even need flown subs. Right. For example, when I have K1 in the air, I feel like the low frequency that's coming just naturally out of those boxes you know, it's it's yep. a fifteen, and especially with the coupling that you get from the line array design, there's plenty of low frequency information in the air because those boxes go yep. so low. So for me, even anytime I've used that PA, I feel like the subs are really just kind of filling in the very very bottom of what the PA isn't able to replicate because there's right. there's a bunch of low frequency energy in the mains. Yep. Yep. There for sure is. So I've I've run out of headroom quite a bit because well we got we got it figured out which we can talk about how that happened but I'm like how am I clipping this friggin' rig it's so big yeah I didn't understand I mean it was loud but it's not it's it's like twenty boxes aside like it should not be clipping right so I was clipping the input to the lake at one point mm. so so that's fixable so then. We just pulled down my outputs, even though I liked that the levels they were at. You kind of have to make compromises. And I actually put an API 2500 on the band bus at a 1.5 ratio, and it was sometimes moving the needle. Barely tickling it, yeah. Uh, you were there when I put it in. Yep. And then we listened like, in sound check. I think you walked up, and it's it's on. The needle's not moving. And then you said... Is it even doing much? And then I hit bypass and you went, yep, it is. Yep, put it back in. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's amazing. But it, it's just, it shaved off enough of the transient to help the clipping into the lake. Yeah, that's good. So, so that well, was good. Yeah. To your point though, I think, you know, the loudspeaker itself, like if you just took that, that 15 inch loudspeaker box in a yep. neutral environment and put it next to any number of other 15 inch boxes they all do a pretty great job like the the problem generally yeah. with pa deployment is not necessarily the loudspeaker itself right it's about it's about right. design but it's also about the rooms and you know i think you know where we are nowadays with loudspeakers in general you can get great results from Adamson and EAW and JBL and some of these other companies that aren't necessarily D&B and L acoustics. Um, but, you know, 
if you had your druthers, you know, you might make other choices, yeah. but you know. No, I'd have GSL out here. Yeah. That's what I'd have. <laughs> yeah. GSL and a PM1D. I don't know about the 1D, but it would have the letters PM in it. That's for sure. And, you know, with those rooms, I mean, honestly, there's only a few of those rooms that would even necessitate GSL. You could get away with KSL in a lot of those places because of the way they were sold. Right. Some of them are full and 11,000 people in Minneapolis, and then some were 6,000 and only lower bowl. Right. And then it's like, what do you do? You know, you're used to having all this low end in the air from the 15s, but you don't need 22 boxes. Right. Right. So last night in Chicago, that arena holds 23,000 people. So the, only the 200 and 100 were sold. The 300 level was closed, but there's no curtains. So I had him fly the whole rig, but we just turned the HF off on the top four boxes. Yeah. Still didn't help. That arena sounds like trash. How does that relationally work with you and CT's front of house guy every day? Y'all decide that together? Yeah. Yep. So he's usually setting his console up same time I am. And, you know, early on, we'll be like, hey, what do you think? And same thing with tuning the PA. We're, we only have 10 minutes each to listen to the PA. It's not ideal. So I get 10 minutes and I have my own lake and he gets 10 minutes and he has his own. But it's funny because when you and I were together on those few days, we have such a similar approach to how we want the PA to sound that neither of us used our lakes and we just used the front of house text lake and just agreed on what we wanted it to sound like. And it worked great for both of us. So yeah, it did. It's interesting. We held hands. We single tear. (laughs) One milkshake, two straws. That was pretty awesome. (laughs) <laughs> That's pretty great. Lee, <laughs> let's talk about um it's been a minute since you've been a road dog. Yeah. Um when do your when do you switch from Nike? Do you wear Nikes? What what tennis shoes do you wear? Ultra boost. Adidas. Okay. When do you switch from those to boots? Oh, that's a good question. Um I and how many pairs of boots did you bring? I brought three. How many have you purchased while you've been out? Zero. What? I have not purchased a single pair of boots. Okay. He spent all his money on shirts and pants. I did. I didn't buy any pants. I did buy a few shirts. There's too many Filson stores in the cities we went to. (laughs) Along the country. (laughs) United guys got me a Filson gift card for my birthday. And there was one in Chicago, so I had to go. There's a great one in Chicago. Yeah. No, I don't switch my shoes. I don't have mixed shoes and load-in shoes, if that's what you're asking. Do you wear boots to mix? Uh, Mostly, most of the time. But I just wear them all day. Oh, you wear them all day. I don't have a hefty load-in. Okay, let's start there. Yeah, yeah. Like, my console's already tipped and opened. I'm looking at it. I just go plug in the back of it and connect it to the rack, and that's it. Your hands are pretty white. You don't even need the gloves. Yeah, I shower in the morning, get dressed, then come out here. I love it. My approach is a little different. So I'll wear my load-in clothes slash casual clothes through lunch, through sound check, and then I'll shower after sound check and then change and put my boots on then. Okay, see, I've thought about this, but it felt, I was like, I don't know if I want to shower at 3 o'clock, do the show, and then shower again at 10 or 11, but that makes more sense to me what you said. There's nothing wrong with a double shower day. No, I I do the double shower. Yeah, I like to sandwich the day. 
But I can change clothes without showering. It is possible. It is possible. You, I almost, I thought you said I can shower without changing clothes. That's in my <laughs> in my head. That's what you said. Yeah. Um. Well, I think it's super fun that you're out there. I love it. I really wish I could have heard it. Um, hopefully, it'll happen more in the future. Maybe. Yeah. Have you guys bought your tickets to the MXU tour yet? Um, I've not bought my tickets. I have bought. I bought a ticket to every show. <laughs> That's good. I've been getting a few texts from people, so um, people are getting on board and, and doing that. I really do hope people bring their whole whole teams. I mean that. Yeah. I think it would be super fun to watch teams connect with each other and and you know get enlightened by my humor. Well, you know the whole thing we've been talking about with developing people. Well, we're giving you that opportunity. Yeah. I don't know any way else to say it. It's like, it's a an affordable way to bring as many people as possible to be inspired and to learn. Yeah. And you're going to be learning from world-class experts in their field. So, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm saying that because I can, because Lee and I aren't the ones mixing that day. Um, so if you've been living under a rock or you haven't heard the last few MXU podcast episodes, just to remind you, September 9th. September 13th, September 16th are our three MXU live tour show days. So the 9th will be in Atlanta. The 13th will be in Chicago. The 16th will be in Dallas. And this is designed for, like Lee and Jay said, your whole team, because we're going to talk about programming a service from start to finish. So we start the day with a production meeting and we work our way through programming every discipline. So Daniel Cannell is going to talk us through lighting programming for the specific songs in the set list. And then Rusty Anderson is going to talk to camera operators and all of the audience about how to train camera ops, how to frame shots, what we're looking for in terms of how we're going to execute the look for the video part of the, of the experience. And then we'll move to audio where Corey Edwards will lead the team through uh, the sound check process and a front of house sound check. And then we'll put it all together at the end of the day and execute a 20-minute worship set. And then at the very end of the day, we'll debrief with some Q&A and learnings from the day. So it's a great chance for your team to just come together and maybe cross-train, maybe learn from each other about what each other does, but then also learn how you can take some of these concepts back to your local team and make your weekend experiences better from the get-go. Yeah, it's great. I was told of a church in California that's flying their entire staff team and a bunch of volunteers to Chicago. That's amazing. I know. It's pretty awesome. Because, you know, we skipped uh, California this year. There's only three cities. So the fact that people in California are getting on airplanes is awesome, humbling, inspiring. It makes me feel good that yep. people actually care about training their teams. So if you're not coming to the event, um, I would, uh, I'll just let you take that up with God as Chris Tomlin would say about <laughs> That's right. buying his t-shirts and mm, listening to our podcast, talk about volunteer development and training. If you're within driving distance, you have no excuse. Well, and here's yeah. an, here's another sort of just piece of advice that I would give you is summer is here and summer is going to evaporate before you know it. And the, I might evaporate. It's true. In this heat, we all might evaporate, but 
the early bird pricing is going to evaporate as well. And so that's true. You need to get your tickets now because when the price goes up, you're not going to want to be left having to pay more money than you can right now. So um, we just know that July is going to be a, a bit of a lull probably because people are doing family vacations and they're on to other things. They've got VBS and student camps and all this other stuff. So just go ahead and buy your tickets now. Pick a city and bring your team and then that's out of the way and we'll see you in September because we don't want you to miss it. We really do care about helping the church get better and this is the best way that we know to do that in person. So go to getmxu.com slash live and get your tickets right now. I was thinking about someone specifically the other day who is not a current door holder at the church but has expressed interest and I was like, man, I wonder if this will be like drinking out of fire hydrant, which I think it will be to some degree. But then I was like, man, I wonder if they'll just be like, oh my gosh, I want to get into this. This is super cool. But hopefully they'll build some relationships with people along the way. Um, Bucket Church is right down the street from Passion City, so it's not like we got a long commute or anything. But I think it would be super cool for people that are just dipping their toe. I know that's an investment, um, but it's worth it, whatever the cost is. worth. And so I think it, I'm going to invite them personally, which is great. I will tell you this. If you want me to invite someone on your team personally hit me up on the on the social machine on the internet stuff and then i will absolutely do that i will record a i don't know whatever i'm inspired i could be 10 minutes it could be 10 seconds but i will record a video and invite them to mxu myself i love it it's like jay's on cameo yeah yeah but for free that's awesome. I'm in it for the people. Honestly, if I was, um, if this was, we've said this a million times, but if this was around when we were growing up, it would have been a game changer for all of us. People listening to this too, you know, that are uh, that came up the way we came, it would have been an absolute game totally. changer. So, luckily, I had Jeff Sandstrom to watch and observe because he's so much older than me. It's true, um, but you know, not all of you had that. You know what else is a game changer? or is going to be a game changer is MXU HQ. It's true. I can't yeah, wait. It's going to be awesome. It's all the gear showed up. I think most of the gear there is is there now except for one manufacturer stuff. We have a row LED wall in-house now. We got some moving lights, all the infrastructure from four wall is there, truss, distro, rigging, all that mess is there. Our new beautiful Canon C300 cameras are there. Um, I think there's six 300s, C300s. Yeah, we used a few of those for the video shoot we did this week at Tweed, and those images look stunning. It's it's so, yeah. so good. That's awesome. So we're going to have a lot more to come to talk about those C300s, and Jeremy and Rusty are going to talk about them on the video podcast, which that's been going well, by the way. Um, and then the Ross gear is on its way for the master control room and the um the rest of the building's remodel is going to be complete next week and then we're going to start talking about doing events in that building smaller more intimate private events some semi-public events and you know what i think we should do we should only give access to those events first access to people that come to the tour that's a good idea so we'll use We'll use that email list from the tour to announce all the future events. No problem. 
Some guy just drove up in a, a ride-along vacuum. You know those are? Oh, that's amazing. He's riding yeah. on a vacuum. <laughs> He's like, sorry, sir. Anyway, um, we'll use the email list from the tour to advertise the first events at MXUHQ. I love it. That's great. So if you want to be, it's only for the committed. Yeah, if you want to be the first to know about our first events at HQ, then you need to come to MXU Live. It just they go hand in hand. I love it. Out of all the suites in the arena, you need to vacuum this one first. Yeah, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. We actually texted him. Okay, right, please go to. 126. Okay, this is a funny story. It happened yesterday in Chicago, which is a union house, right? Local two. All right. Well, you got to kind of be on eggshells around these guys because they can ruin your day. Well, and the problem is they have a bit of a complex because they're not local one. And so literally those stagehands unions, they're like, they're always compared to New York and they've got a bit of a chip on their shoulder in Chicago. And they charge a lot more money than New York. Surprisingly enough, Chicago labor is the most expensive in the country. That's hilarious. So I don't know what happened before I got in the building. I get in there early yesterday. It's probably like 9 a.m. And I hear rumblings of things are behind. Okay. So I go drop my stuff off in our dressing room, just piddling around in there. I come back out at like, 10 30 about now actually yep so right now in grand rapids i'm looking at the entire stage right side of the pas up stage left side fills and subs are up they got four more boxes to hang on the bottom the led wall is now half built that's very fast yeah Uh, okay so that's and it's 10 30 or no what is it no it's 11 so yesterday at around 10 30 i walk in there and they are still rigging. Wow. So I look at one of our guys and I'm like, well, a little behind, huh? And he was like trying to be quiet who he's saying it around. And apparently there was a skirmish in the morning. A little dust up. A little punch up, if you will. <laughs> and there was some yelling from the local okay. union at some of our people. Okay. And then they do the chalk and then the head rigger is there and the riggers go up well the points have to be rigged in a certain order right and the first thing that gets rigged for us is the cable bridge and then the second thing is the pa points on both sides and then the rest of the rig goes so that they can start flying the pa first because sound checks the first thing that happens well they did the entire plot without the cable bridge in the pa and did those last uh prove a point why else would they have done that they know that if they put those pa points in last it delays the whole day Mm -hmm. someone pissed in someone's cereal that's what i'm saying i just want you to know last time i was there a couple months ago we had a great load in load out but i think i'm i'm one i'm more one of them than one of the whoever i'm on tour with yeah, I'm gonna be there. Yeah. In, I'm gonna be there in a few weeks with the dudes, and so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So I just laughed. Like you can't get mad. There's nothing you can do about it. It'll only make your day no, worse, yeah. and you'll get billed oh, yeah, for yeah. things that you didn't know you needed billed for. Well, I said they'll take a break. They'll be like, "Ah, oh, it's break time." It'll just push you back further. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do. No, nothing. I mean, they were, you know, they were also yesterday like very forceful with 
even like unloading guitars. They didn't even want our guys to do that. So you had to have a union person with you to even open a backline case. It was intense. Wow. Their house, their rules. Yeah. I will tell you, I was in Jersey um, on that last elevation tour, and I was a little nervous about going to that one because the steward has a, a rep, but he was awesome. I, I ended up, he by the end of it, he said, listen, you ever need to borrow money, you come to me first. <laughs> <laughs> Which just told me that he's actually not the steward. Yeah. <laughs> he's a representative of the exterior organization that helps control the stewards. So, Was that at the Prudential Center? Yeah, it was yeah. great. Yeah, I'm going to be there too. You were there too, Lee. So yep. I think it's funny. Yep. I think this uh, this dude perfect run is basically going to be echoing all the venues that you were in with Hillsong. Yep, that's hilarious. That one sounds good. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Are you thinking about that tour? Like DPAs on guys running around the stage in sold out arenas and catwalks and feedback. And are you saying? Am, am I thinking about that? Yeah. That's all I'm thinking about every night when I go to sleep. <laughs> okay. I'd be pretty nervous. And trying not to panic. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's. I don't know if you heard of the Dugan Auto Mixer. I'd turn that Dugan Auto Mixer on and take a Dugan nap. is going to be getting a workout for sure. But the problem is, and we'll talk about this once we get through rehearsals, I'm sure. We can maybe talk about it next week on the podcast. But the challenge is going to be there are five headset mics that are on through the whole show. And they're all in front of the PA all the time. And it needs to be 100 dB because these kids, oh my gosh. These they're, yeah, these kids are screaming the whole time. And the hosts are screaming the whole time. So it's, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen Dude Perfect videos, but Tyler is not subtle in his communication. He is a yeller, right. which is great. It's part of what makes their persona the what it is it's like intense it's fun it's loud it's awesome so the challenge for me is going to be what's my plug-in chain and how do we keep all these things under control now the good thing is the good thing is they're using great mics from dpa and they've already chosen those mics based on the fit and the comfortability so they're what are they using yeah so i think they chose the 6066 which is the new dpa headset um, it is Omni, so that brings a whole different set of challenges. But the good thing about the Omni, honestly, is that if you're running around, I think the Omni gives you less of the wind noise from movement yeah. than the directional ones do. Like the cardioid one, anytime you see somebody walk across the stage and it gives you that wind noise, it's because they're wearing a, a, yeah. a, a cardioid headset. So, um, it's going to be a challenge. It's it's a different challenge than mixing music, obviously. The whole show is only eight inputs, which is crazy. But <laughs> I'm going to be working just as hard, I think. So we'll see how it goes. You take you taking an SD11? I'm going to have a Quantum 225. Oh, nice. What are you going to do with the other faders? Well, I'm thinking I might do what James Rudder did last time when, when he mixed this show, which was every video during the show had its own stereo fader so even though the inputs are coming from the same source if there's any change in the level or the sound of individual videos you can basically uh, treat them all independently and just basically mute unmute next video mute unmute next video mute unmute on its own fader 
Which is actually great because video guys have not learned how to master. No, video yet. guys know nothing about audio, so this is a might be a good a good idea. I think James may have done it out of boredom one day and then realized that it was a really good <laughs> a good idea. So I may try that. Who knows? Hey, let me ask you this: Tell us what you think you will be in your rack now, and then we'll circle back. Oh, later. that's a good idea. Just speculate. Okay, so what you think you'll have? Obviously, in your rack. all the headset mics will have Dugan. Uh, as the auto mixer so that for those of you who don't know it basically whichever mic is loudest it gives it priority so it's like multi-channel side chaining at the same time expansion right i think dumbledore helped make it it's It's, it's definitely voodoo yeah um but in the channel strip itself i'll probably i'll rely on waves a lot because i'm familiar with it so it'll either be it'll probably be pse to start and then i don't know if i'll use the console eq or if i'll use waves eq um we'll see so i may have a channel strip like ssl or another channel strip at at the top of the chain right after pse and then probably two compressors and we'll go from there i i'll probably start with my standard vocal chain but that includes some things that i might not use so we'll see i mean I'll fill you in once we get once we get it live because it is different than a singing vocal mic. It'll be for speech. It'll be a little bit of a different approach. Yeah, you guys are gonna use auto tune. <laughs> They'd probably actually those guys would probably love the effect on certain things. Probably um, we in this case for you, you did mention that you will use waves because it's so much. It is a machine running that thing, so. Not the waves ever crashes, because that could be bad for you with five mics in front of the PA. It could be, yeah, it could be. I'm going to have to be judicious about that. Yeah, that is something to think about. Um, luckily, you know, I have never had a waves failure during a show, so it's never been an issue for me. But I know back in the Tomlin days when I was out there with Chris all the time, our monitor engineer Kyle had a macro in his console that he labeled "O oh, ship." SHIP <laughs> just because if, if there was a, a catastrophic, you know, if waves took a dump in the middle of the show, he could hit that macro and basically all of his gain structure, his EQ settings, his compression, all the things that he was doing in waves would basically be compensated for in the console itself. So that is a good backup plan to always have. So I'll, I'll definitely have to have something like that. We'll just pray that there won't be a failure and that, but we'll have a backup just in case. That's awesome. Hopefully I'll make it out to see that. I've heard it's a great show. You should come. Atlanta is on July 2nd, 4th of July weekend. Oh yeah. I should be able to do that. Come on down, baby. State farm arena. I'd love to be able to bring Dakota to that. That'd be amazing. Well, the closest we, the closest we get to you will be, uh, Salt Lake or Vegas? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Maybe I'll go back to Vegas with Lee. <laughs> Bring my son to Vegas. Son, it's time to be a man. That's funny. <laughs> do everything Do everything the opposite of what Uncle Jay is about to do. Yeah. <laughs> and put these blinders on. <laughs> put these blinders on. That's great. All right, fellas. Um, PA is now up and fully trimmed. That's awesome. Yeah, you probably have to shower and, you know, put on some shoes or something. I'm going to do this Sandstrom schedule today. I'm going to 
set everything up and do sound check in my Lulu shorts and hoodie here and my Crocs. And then. Oh, that's lunch. embarrassing. You're wearing Crocs out there. Isn't Webby a Crocker? No, no one in Australia wears Crocs. No one. Because they're stupid. <laughs> but no one else on the tour is except um, Ben, Pat Barrett's guitar player. Uh, Forehand's. Dude, have you and Forehand just talked about hunting the whole time? Uh, Jay, that's the dumbest question you've ever asked me. And yes. I know. Because Ben looks like he's going hunting on stage. I know. He wears Ben's, camo and cowboy boots on stage. Also, he is one of the best guitar players. He can freaking shred. Yeah. So good. He's a beast. And the uh, nicest guy. Oh, he's the sweetest. Honestly, he's amazing. And I just got super jealous when he said Pat because I hadn't seen him in a minute. Uh, Pat and I have tried to FaceTime you twice. No. Last night, we tried. I was on a red eye, bro, from Vegas. Oh, it was 2 a.m. last night, and we tried to FaceTime you. <sighs> All right, and then- so so one of your goals for today is to do the Sandstrom, Sandstrom schedule. So, And you're going to be amazed, honestly, when you hit the console for the opening song, feeling fresh and freshly showered, freshly quaffed, you're going to have a better night. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I, I've got a visual of what quaffing is, and I don't like it. And then your other your other project for today is right before or right after Pat Barrett's sound check, you need to get on the old FaceTimes with Jay and even me if you want. I love it. And just have a little okay. connection with the old uh, with the old Pat Barrett because I'm telling you, there's yeah. not a better human. Uh, he's just the best. He's the best. So I think everything he's gotten in – like God honors the heart. Like I've always believed that. And Pat has one of the best. That's why I also love Matt yeah. Marr. I think Matt Marr has one of the purest hearts. Um, has Pat told you about we got we both got new roofs on our Jeep? Have I no. told you about this? No. So Pat, it, one, Pat's not a manly human. Like he's just not. And so I live in a loft, as y'all both know, and I don't have a garage. So I had a hard top and my Jeep came on the soft top. So I put the soft top on because how my how's you know I can barely reach the roof on my Jeep. It's so tall. I can't get the hard top off without help. So it's stored away. It got soft top on. Well, the zippers are getting old, and I was out there climbing on my Jeep, literally straddled the Jeep. One of my neighbors came out there and brought me water because I was dripping in sweat and looked <laughs> like they were just like, You don't look like you're having fun. It was what's supposed anyway. So two years ago when Pat got his Jeep, he asked me how to take the hard top off, and I was like, Well, you have a garage where you live, just clip it to the garage and drive off. Super easy. Has not done it. So I told him about this other thing, and I guess good, good father is making good, good money. So he went and got it. It's called My Top, and it is basically an electric soft top, like a convertible for Jeep. Oh, man. That's dope. Unreal. So he calls me one day freaking out. He's like, yeah, there was like a big wait list, and then they called me because they had one come in, and he got it. He goes, it's a game changer. And then, so then I like go back to the wellsfargo.com and start re- reevaluating my watch budget and all my other priorities. <laughs> and I call them up. I'm like, I got to have one of these. And they're like, great, it's going to be six weeks. And they're like, but you got to pay for it now. And I just impulsively paid for it. And now I have it. And the week before I was home, I mean, the week before this week, I was home for the week. I have never enjoyed my Jeep so much in my life. And maybe I'm still in the honeymoon period. Wow. But it's like having a convertible. And so I could just take the top down anytime That's I want. amazing. That is amazing. But Pat and I both have them. That was a long story. But anyways, I love Pat Barrett. So hug him. 
if you're feeling a little spicy and quaffing all went well, give him a kiss on the cheek for me. I might. <laughs> we uh, we share hugs and just we look at each other and say, 1984, the year we were born. <laughs> That's amazing. Good. That's awesome. Hey, uh, we should take a moment to uh, just say farewell to our friend Dave Hagar. Absolutely. I just saw the news. I saw the news this morning, and I'm very heavy-hearted. Let's clarify, there is an audio engineer out there named Paul Dave Hagar, and it's not him. would hate for people to think he passed. Dave Hagar worked at Spectrum, based out of Nashville, very involved um, in all this world's vegan. He had cancer, passed away this morning after a great fight. I got to yeah. talk to him last week, spend some time with him, and his spirit uh, was well. His body was just failing. So Yeah, he was a uh, system tech on the Tomlin Tours for years. Um, Orange Conference and Passion, Passion Conference and other uh, when Passion City Church first started he would drive from Nashville to church every weekend to help set up gear and mix monitors for literally the first few years of the church because we were trying to figure out how to build a volunteer team and he was like man whatever it takes to help this thing get off the ground so he's um, such a great soul and we're going to miss him a lot so if you're thinking if thinking about it, pray for Danielle, his wife. Yeah. And uh, the guys at Spectrum who were really, really close to him and, and the rest of us that, that knew him. But a reminder to uh, tell each other what you think about each other, good or bad, um, and hug each other. Focus on the good. Yeah. Spend some time with each other. It's okay. Even if it's FaceTime or a phone call. Text work too. I'm just learning that anything goes these days. I like to, for it to be face-to-face, but sometimes a text can brighten someone's day. Especially if you've been in the trenches together and it's been years, just remind each other that you care about each other and, you know, all the warm fuzzies. But we love you, Dave. Rest well, brother. <laughs>